All right. Well, Happy New Year to each one of you. God bless you. Thank you for making uh, 2019 a great year. Hope you were blessed. And if you didn't find enough blessing, we hope it just doubles up in 2020. Amen? So it's such a joy to be a part of this house and to be able to minister to you and with you and, and uh, just to call this home. So thank you so much. Uh, I'm starting today a series called God and Business. And regardless whether you own your own business or you work for someone, or even if you're retired, you're in business. There's a, there's a business that that's, you're about, and we want God's blessing on that. So I'm gonna ask you to do something as we start today. I'm gonna ask you just to stand and do a little bit something maybe out of your comfort zone, but not too much. Uh, we're gonna pray for one another's business. Now, here's how this is gonna work. If you are uncomfortable praying out loud, you don't have to. Good news, right? But if you are comfortable, then you can pray over the person you're standing next to uh, a blessing of their, uh, over their business. And I'm gonna give you the words to speak. So all you gotta do is repeat what I say, and that's gonna be your prayer. Sound good? All right, let's bow our head and let's pray. Dear God, I pray this year will be the greatest year for my business, for my household. I pray that you will open the windows of heaven, give me ideas, time, wisdom, and resources that can only be explained by your hand. Bless me now, in the name of Jesus, amen. All right, you can be seated, we're gonna receive our offering. And as we receive our offering today, let me just uh, kind of set up this series for you. Um, when we talk about business, sometimes people get the idea that business is bad unless it's mine. And, uh, and somehow business is tied to greed. One of the most recent studies on Hollywood movies shows that there's about a 200% increase in movies over the last 20 years uh, increase in showing business as greedy. And it makes kind of an easy target if you stop to think about it. There's always the greedy uh, businessman who's trying to exploit everybody on planet Earth. But what it does is it, it locks something in your head about business that's not true. And what I wanna show you through this series is how business is actually designed by God for the benefit of society. If you think about, let's say that you manufacture something, or let's say you provide a service. Well, you see, what you provide for society benefits society in such a way because you're doing something they either can't do or don't want to do. And then they, in turn, turn around, and from that product, from that service, they're then able to extend that to someone else. Now, I'm gonna call out a friend of mine. I didn't tell him I was gonna do this, but Jeff Gore right there, he would be, he would, if I ask him in advance, he would say no, and his, his beautiful wife, uh, Dr. Carla, and, uh, but, but he has this company um, that does commercial plumbing, and he has been such a minister to this house. And Jeff, I just wanna say thank you. And you guys have been with us for, gosh, I think since almost day one, if not day one, and I just wanna bless you. And when you stop to think about businesses within this house, take time to bless them. Because you see, what's happening is, when we employ people, you know what we're doing? 
We are actually ministering to people. When a person has a job, do you realize the power in that? That a household now can pay bills? You say, well, I'm not paying many with what I make. Well, we're gonna talk about that and how you can actually take what you're doing right now and actually become better at it and maybe even leverage yourself into either more with that company or into a new situation. Because you see, God wants you to prosper. That's not a bad thing. Do you know one of the Hebrew words for prosper is the word shalom? Do you realize that when you're prospering, you're at peace? Hey, what would you pay for peace of mind? Right? That's a really good thing, amen? Another one of those words, and we'll talk about these later in this series, another one of those words for prosperity is the idea of building companies. In other words, you're, you're creating a scenario where instead of just giving a handout, you actually empower someone to start a company. Now think about that. So now the self-worth comes because I actually earned a wage and it wasn't just simply a handout. Now, there's always opportunity for handouts. There's always opportunity to help the poor. We're gonna talk about that a little bit uh, later in this message today. But I want you to begin to understand that there's something very, very powerful in this concept of business. In fact, think about business. Whenever you talk about people, they're always trying to make a business connection, aren't they? Do you realize that one of the things that God does with business is he connects us? He makes us dependent on one another. And as we're dependent on one another for what we do, we get to know each other better because we were designed for community. And when we begin to understand community, uh, my, my wife said, you should start a company, talking about me, called I Got a Guy. Because everybody says, well, do you, you know anybody? Yeah, I got a guy. And uh, it, I think it'd be a great business name. I mean, if you want to steal it, go ahead. I got a guy. And, but, but isn't that how we work? I'm looking for somebody to do this. Oh, I got a guy right? And when you begin to, to really enjoy and make it fun, business becomes a thrilling, thrilling adventure. Let me give you a couple of truths here just to start as we begin today. Um, growth is a fundamental human need. Now, that you might just let that go over your head and not think about it, but I want you to take note of that. Growth is a fundamental human need. Without growth, life is not fun. Now, when, when you have little kids, you go, I just wish they could stay two, or I wish they could stay three, you know? What well, you, you do now, but if you had to put up with the terrible twos for 20 years, it would not be fun, <laughs> right? And then all of a sudden, you go, oh, they're so cute, and I can't wait till they, you know, they, they start driving, and then they drive, and you go, oh, no. But guess what? There's coming a moment which you're gonna wave to them with tears in your eyes, goodbye, to go to college, you know? And you're gonna go, oh, it was a growth moment for them. And then whenever they call, you always wanna say, it's just hard to make it without you while you're smiling and sitting in the hot tub. You know, you just, <laughs> you wanna, you understand that growth is a part of life. So everything we do is growing. So in your job, you should be growing in your job. You should be growing in your vision. You should be growing in your wisdom, growing in your knowledge of the word of God. All these things should be a part of just a growing pattern in your life. Another thing is that business is honorable. Business is honorable. Do you realize how many people that you affect, If let's say you're a business owner, how many people you directly affect for the good over the lifetime of your business? 
And if you're a Christian employer, guess what? You have the opportunity to speak into them about the claims of Christ. And then they take that home to their household and they say, you're not gonna believe what my, what my boss said to me today about God. He actually prayed for me. Do you realize what legacy that is in the life? You don't know where all those things are going. You don't know what that little child is gonna hear in that conversation and remember and change the whole course of the future of his or her family. So don't underestimate that at all. Also, success and prosperity are good. It's not bad to be successful. It's a good thing to be successful. You feel good about it. Now, you can define success however you want. You might say success is having X number of dollars. If you define success by money, then you're probably gonna feel lonely. In Ecclesiastes, it says, he who desires money will never be satisfied with it. So while success can be measured numerically, that's not defining success. What we measure and what we define are two different words. And so you begin to think, okay, what would success look like for me? Well, it would be I'd have peace of mind. I would have enough money to live within a margin. That is, I have enough money to, to pay my bills and I've got a little left over if I wanna do something or help someone or remodel my home. And so you define what success is for you. But it's never holding on to everything you have. It's never living in such a way that you just feel like life is miserable here. My grandfather was a farmer. He farmed the same 500 acres in northern Missouri from the time he was 13 till he was 88. His dad died and he had to take over the farm. And I was about 14 and he looked at me and he said, you know, you're my only grandchild and I'm gonna give you the farm. And I'm looking around, I'm seeing pigs and chickens and cows. I'm looking, I'm seeing soybeans and wheat and corn. And I said, Granddad, what's a good year? He said, when you eat. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, I got a different plan for my life. I said, Granddad, I just don't think I'm cut out for farming. Oh, yeah, after about 10 or 15 years, you'll get used to it. <laughs> well, that's not what I want to do, right? But you see, when you find yourself in the place that God wants you to be, you're going to thrive. And we're gonna give you some tools today to learn how to do that. But let's start with this idea. When you put your capital at risk for someone else, the Bible calls that good. When you put your capital at risk for the good of others, that means for them to find employment, that's a good thing. Do you realize your entire future is dependent on someone else? You gotta let that sink in a minute. Your entire future is dependent on someone else, someone else who wants your product, who wants your service. Do you realize their entire future is dependent on someone else? And when you begin to see this interlocking of lives, you begin to think about how powerful this is. Now, I'm a I'm a bit of an Amazon junkie. Anybody here an Amazon junkie? It's getting embarrassing. Wouldn't they know your name? Hey, Phil, how you doing? It's, you gotta stop Amazon. That's all there is to it. I love it, but you know, I got to thinking about this week. Every time I order from Amazon, I hurt my ability to drive down to my local store and buy something. And I like to do that. Because sometimes I gotta look at it and feel it. I like walking into Pep Boys. I like the way it smells. 
I go in there when I don't even have to buy anything. I walked in there, and the guy said, can I help you? I said, no, I just like the way it smells. He said, I understand, and walked off. <laughs> it's just a guy thing. I don't know, there's just, there's a smell there. Hey, guys, give me some hands, right? right? Now, women, they don't, you may not really understand this, ladies, but this is just, it's like you go into perfume. You know, you go like, I love to go into the perfume counter. I, I don't. I mean, I'm totally intimidated when I walk into a store and there's a woman there gonna smell this and buy it for you. No, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be seen you spraying perfume at me. And then I walk off, they always overshoot, you smell like perfume, you know, then you come home, you're getting in trouble. It's all just a bad thing. All right, let's get started. The divine link. There is a link between work and happiness. Now, I realize that when you come home from work, sometimes you grumble. Man, I work so hard today. Why do we tell people how hard we work? You ever notice that? Man, I am working so hard. Why do we do that? Have you ever had somebody say to you, you know, man, I, I got out of so much work today. It was awesome. <laughs> Slept in the bathroom two hours. Boss never caught me. I mean, can you imagine that convo going down? Why is it we tell people how hard we work? Because it's fulfilling. Because you were designed for work. Remember, God worked six days, the Bible says, and then rested? Because you see, work is a divine principle, and it's tied to happiness. Now, we're not gonna stop grumbling about work. We're not gonna stop finding fault with the jobs that we have. It's just a human nature. In fact, we've got a whole restaurant chain that's built around the idea it's Friday and we don't have to work tomorrow, right? And we understand that. But I want you to have a deeper appreciation for the fact that you have a job, that you get money. You say, well, I don't get enough. Well, we'll work on that one too. But think about just a, an attitude of gratitude that builds around that. Let me take you to Psalm 128, verses one and two. And I wanna just read the first three words, and I want you just to slow down and let them settle in. Blessed is everyone. Here's the truth. God wants to put his hand of favor on everyone. It doesn't matter how old, how young you are. It doesn't matter what your profession is. God wants to bless you. Blessed is everyone. And then it, it gives you the qualifiers here, and here's the first one, who fears the Lord. Blessed is everyone who does what? Who fears God. Now, what does it mean to fear God? It doesn't mean to hide in the corner and cowl and, you know, and, and just be alarmed at God's presence. What it means is to respect him as God. To say, God, I respect you, and I acknowledge you, and I honor you. And if I do that, then the next part of this, blessed, begins to work for me very well. Who walks in his ways. You know, when you walk with God, you're in agreement with God. The Bible says in the book of Amos, can two walk together unless they be agreed? You ever seen two people who are fighting and, and they're walking together because they have to? They don't look happy. You know, it's just almost humorous to watch it unless you're one of the ones doing that. Right? You go, yeah, they're not getting along. How about, how about at that table, that restaurant, when two people aren't getting along, and you're sitting there having your dinner, and you, you look over, and the husband and wife, they're mad as can be. And you don't know what's going on, but you can't take your eye. This is like a show, you know? And uh, on New Year's, we were, or Christmas, rather, I think it was, we were Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, we were out, and, and there was a couple next to us, and, and they clearly were not having a good time. And I thought, I gotta liven this group up. I just can't take it sometimes, you know? I said, hey, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> They're looking at each other like, like oh, who is this guy? You know, I, I don't know. It's just something in me wanting to do that. 
and, and build that connection, guess what? They started talking the whole rest of the thing. I, I take credit for that. I built a relationship in a restaurant for a couple, and they had a happier dinner because of me, all right? But you see, what we do is it's as blessed as everyone who fears the Lord, who walks, who walks in his ways. And then it says, now look, when you eat the labor of your hands, you're blessed when you eat the labor of your hands. When you sit down for a meal and you know you paid for it, there's something good about it. Now, it's not bad for somebody else to buy your lunch once in a while, amen? But you see, when you look at your food and you say, it may not be much, but I paid for it, there's satisfaction that comes. That's what God wants you to have. He wants you to feel a sense of satisfaction from those things. And it says, and it shall be well with you. You know what else happens? When you, when you, when you fear God, when you, when you walk in his ways, when you enjoy the fruit of your labor, guess what? It has an effect where it affects every dimension of your life. Not just your mind, but your heart, your soul, your spirit, your emotions. Everything feels good because you're, you're walking under this covering of Almighty God. And part of that is in your vocation, which is pretty amazing. So let's kind of review that. What do we do? We fear the Lord. I respect God. God, I respect you, and I respect you enough to do what you say in your word. See how that works? You can't just say, I fear God and do what I want. That's not fearing God. I fear God, and I walk in your ways, and then I take my labor, in a, and I let joy come out of it. Hey, you're always gonna, there's gonna be times when you gotta have to work really hard, work overtime sometimes. But you see, you wanna go back and go, you know, I worked really hard, but I take some joy in what I did. I feel good about what I did. I made a difference in somebody's life. I, I, I sped up what was happening in the, in the business so that they could be more productive. And my boss said, hey, way to go. Or if you're a boss, you, go, you, you need to identify those employees and go, way to go. You did a great job because we, we live with that sense of affirmation being valuable to us. And then it says, peace will guard your steps. I just walk in peace. We began by asking the question, what would you pay for peace of mind? Just to be, now that doesn't mean conflict goes away. You see, because the peace that comes from God is not the absence of conflict. It's the it's it's position of peace in the midst of conflict. And so the conflict, while it's there and you have to deal with it and you have to manage it, you still have a peace that comes from God. I have a little saying, it goes like this one. I, I think you ought to write this one down. Every once in a while I have something I think is good. 90% of what you worry about will not happen. 10% will. But with that 10%, you can manage that with God. 90% of your worry is not even valid. And if you're not careful, and especially if you worry out loud, you're projecting or prophetically speaking your future into existence. That's why when people don't understand this principle of how do we guard our tongue, that when I speak out that kind of stuff, I'm literally cursing the ground that I walk on. I don't wanna curse the ground I walk on. I wanna bless the ground that I walk on, amen? I want that to be a good and a pleasant road, not an unpleasant road, because life and death are in the power of the tongue, Proverbs 18 tells us. So guard what you say very, very carefully. All right, next thing is I want you, to, when you think about God and business, I want you to be able to find your genius. Now, you say, well, I'm no genius. Yes, you are. 
You see, the way that you measure genius is not with an IQ test. In fact, when they tested uh, Muhammad Ali, the boxer, for his IQ, it was 78. Now, if you know anything about IQ tests, that's not good. And you look and you go, well, he wasn't very smart. Well, he was smart enough to make millions of dollars and entertain people with his boxing and with his poetry. He's still gone down as probably one of the greatest boxers ever because he found his genius. His genius was in his boxing and the way he communicated that. And when you put those two things together, that skill of boxing and that skill of poetry, he was amazing, absolutely amazing. I mean, it's not uncommon to go back, for me to go back and just watch him before the fight. I like him before the fight as much as I do in the fight because the way he speaks and the way he, he's able to just, that's genius. Do you realize you have a genius like that? Your genius is designed by you, for you, with God in mind. And if you begin to use it that way, it's amazing. Let me take you to Psalm 139. It says, For you, that is speaking of God, you formed my innermost parts. Think about it. When you were in your mother's womb, God was forming you. He was arranging DNA in just the right place. He was putting all the things in there that were gonna make you, you. And it says, you knit me together in my mother's womb. So there's a knitting. You ever seen anybody knit? Taking their, and God's just knitting. I'm going, oh yeah, this is gonna be great. Oh, look at that. Oh, whoa, 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 what's that one? Oh, well, that's Drew, it's okay. So keep going. <laughs> but you see, God is knitting some things together, right? And it says here, now look what it says. I will give thanks and I will praise you. Have you ever th- thanked God for who you are? Or do you look in the mirror and go, I wish I was look like so-and-so? Ever look at what you do and say, I wish I could do that? Every time you do that, you diminish who you are and you slow down the progress you can make in being truly you. You were, you were made by God in a very unique way. He, you were wonderfully made, the Bible says. Wonderful, and it says, and I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wow, God says, I made you just the way you are. And if you learn to see that, appreciate that you are a, a, a divine creation of God, you can value you more and quit compare because comparison will kill you, won't it? We all live in this comparison, right? I mean, I, I wish I had that, I wish I had that, I wish I had that. What if I had everything that I wished on somebody else, out of somebody else? I don't even know what color hair I'd have, what color eyes I'd have. I don't know if I'd be thin, tall. I don't know what I'd be. I'd, oh, I wish I had that, wish I had that. Wish I could do that, wish I could do that. I can't do all those things. Why not go, I just want to be me. I want to be the best version of Phil that's out there. And guess what? That's hard to find. It's hard to find you in the middle of you trying to compare you with everybody in the universe. But when you do, when you start getting there, it starts to come together. It says, wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. Do you realize that you're a work of God? So God fearfully, wonderfully makes you, and then he begins to work on you. That word uh, in in the book of Ephesians chapter two, it says, for we are the workmanship of Christ, and we were created for good works. That word, the idea that we're a workmanship, you know what that word is? It's the idea of poem. It's the Greek word poema, and so what it literally means is you are God's poem. Do you ever ever feel like a poem? Have you ever read, anybody ever read bad poetry? You know it immediately, right? This is bad poetry. 
But when you read good poetry, you go, this is good poetry. This is really, really good. I remember one time I had a couple I was doing a wedding for, and he wanted to write a poem to his bride. And I just thought he knew how to write poetry. You know, when you're a pastor, you're just kind of like, okay. And I said, send it to me in advance. And he sent it to me, and I thought, oh, this is the worst poetry I've ever read in my entire life. Now, what helped was that he was Chinese from China, and his English was a little broken. He sounded just like Jackie Chan. This will help. But I'm reading, it was so bad, and I said to my wife, I said, Tammy, I've got to change this. I'm just going to revise it, take it out of prose altogether, and turn it into just pure, you know, copy and just let him read something, because I... This guy's gonna be so embarrassed if he reads this. And the more I thought about it, I thought, I can't do it. I'm gonna break his heart. He'd call me and say, I'm so excited about my poem. <sighs> hey, some things that being the pastor are not easy, right? This is one of them. How do I let the bad poet down? Wedding day comes, all right? He gets up. It's as is bad poetry. And he starts to read it, and all of a sudden, I saw the genius in it. The genius wasn't in the construction from my perspective, but in the love behind it and the Jackie Chan accent. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, I almost ruined a masterpiece. You see, when, when we take and we try to judge our life based on somebody else, we, we run the risk of ruining the masterpiece that we are. Let me, uh, let me take you to the board for a minute here, show you a couple of things. Um, I'd encourage you to either take a picture of this or copy it down. But I want you to think about unique ability because this is what you are. You have a unique ability, and when you're functioning in that, you have no competition at all. There's nobody that can do exactly what you do who knows, the, the, has the background you have, has the talents you have. And then there are things that you do that you do them pretty well. They're ec you're excellent at them. But you're, and maybe you're in the top 10% in the category of, of that particular vocation or that, that thing that you do. And then there are things you do that are good but not great. And now you're competing against 70% of the people in the world to do that very thing. And so if you try to make a living at this, you'll never do very well at it because you will always find yourself, there's always somebody better than you at this. If you're functioning in this area, you're in the top 10%, and, you, and you, we'll show you how to get to that place. But if you're here, you have zero competition. Now, most of our jobs look like this. This is our job description. And so we get to do some of this. We get to do some of this, some of this. And then down here, this is, we could train a monkey to do. Okay, and what that means is that there's nothing special about that part of your job. That's just part of what they do because they don't have anybody else to do it. That's why you have that in there. It's kind of like the job description, the last bullet point says, and whatever else may be required of you. That means when somebody quits, you're getting their stuff. That's all that really means, amen? Okay, so part of the genius here is that what I wanna do is I wanna do more of this. I wanna do, I wanna function here. So ideally, if I could take my job and I could begin to shift this over more like this, in my current job, I'm working for someone and I like to term, uh, I like the term an entrepreneur. 
What that means is you're working for a company, but you're able to do some things within that company to, to find fulfillment, to, find, to bring value to the company, and possibly bring an extra income for you. Now, an entrepreneur, you say, well, what company would let you do that? Well, how about 3M? You ever heard of 3M? If not, have you heard of the Post-it note? Well, the Post-it note is a direct result of this concept called entrepreneurism. So what they have at, at 3M is that you can take 10% of your time and you can put it toward a project that you think might bring value to the company. And you can go to your colleagues, and if they don't have a great idea, but they like your idea, they can join you in there. So you might have 30% of company time working on one project. So there's an individual that worked for uh, 3M, and he attended a church that had hymnals. Do you remember the hymnals? Remember those things? They're paper and they kind of open up. Okay, and they had bookmarkers in those hymnals, and the bookmarkers would always fall down on the ground. He thought, you know what? This is frustrating to have to pick up my bookmarker uh, during the service. So he thought, I'm gonna get some experiment with some adhesive, see if I can get the bookmarker to stick in there without tearing up the pages. He said, I tore up three or four hymnals in the process trying to get the adhesive right. But I finally got it right, and that was a company project, and that became the sticky note, the Post-it note. Now think about that right there. That was not anything that was on the company agenda. That was not anybody, anybody thought was, was important or valuable. In fact, you probably just said, well, we'll use a magnet if, it's magnet if we have something we can stick it to, or we'll use a piece of tape to hold a note up. But think about the genius of a Post-it note. It's so simple, it confounds the wisdom of man. And, and you begin to think about, so an entrepreneur does that. Now, an, an entrepreneur is a French word that means one that attempts a venture, and that's someone that goes completely outside of a business and says, I'm doing this all on my own. And that means I've got maximum risk and I've got maximum reward. So I'm either gonna win big or lose big, but I'm probably not gonna do something in between. There's gonna be here, and there's gonna be times where you have to pour out everything. When we started this church, we were pure entrepreneurs. We, we put everything on the line, all of our capital, all of our resource, all of our treasure, all of our future, all of our background. We said, we're starting a church. And it's risky. And I don't want to do it again. Are you with me? And whenever you start something, it's a part of what you do. So remember Michael Jackson? He was pretty unique, right? How about Michael Jordan? Basketball player, remember him? Okay, what was he really known for? It's a three-letter word that starts with the letter A and ends with the letter R. Let's help, see if you can help me. Air. They still make Air Jordans. Why? Because the guy just seemed to float in the air. You go like, how does he do that? He's floating in the air. So if I take him, where do I put him on this chart? I put him over here, unique ability, right? So he retires from basketball, and what does he say? You know, I think what I'd like to do is I'd like to play baseball because I was a pretty good baseball player. So everybody goes, this is going to be great. He's going to be a great baseball player. They get him a uniform. They get him out there. He was a bad baseball player. That's okay. He was a phenomenal basketball player. You say, well, he looked good in a uniform. He drew a crowd for a little while, and then he quit. 
because he wasn't any good at this. You see, I think a lot of people, they live over here thinking they're gonna get better at it. Do you ever have somebody tell you when you're growing up, you know, uh, take your weaknesses and work on those? Silliest thing in the world. Dumbest thing in the world. Take your strengths and make those better. Because you're always gonna work in the, in the dimension of your passion. And it's gonna be fun and enjoyable, and it's not gonna be miserable. Hey, when I was going through school, you know, math was not my thing. Science was not my thing. I liked history, I liked literature, I liked English, I liked all those things. I could spend all my life working on science and math and still be dumb. I'm just being honest. There is no future for me in math. There's no future for me in science. I'm not gonna have the breakthrough discovery that's gonna change the world in the scientific community. I can't hardly get those aspirin bottles open that you have to push down on. How am, I gonna, how am I gonna create something in the scientific world? But you see, if you move in the direction of your passion, if you move in the, you say, well, how do I figure out what my unique ability is? Are you ready? I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna give you two ways to do this. Are you ready? Okay, the first one is, ask five people who are close to you to write down, and don't, don't do it together, just separately, Five people write down on a piece of paper what you see me do that you think is pretty unique. You take those five cards, you bring them back together, you look at them, and you find out what the similarities are in those cards. I promise you, you'll find similarities. Okay? Second thing you do is you ask yourself a question. What is it that I love doing, and if I had a job doing that, I could do it all day long? that I feel more energized at the end of the day than I do even at the beginning of the day. You've got two data points right now to help you to understand what your unique ability is. Then you can drill down in that a little bit more if you want and go, well, why, does that, why is that true for me? And there's probably gonna be some lines of, of communication that you've got with your past, with your future, and for example, if you're a person that's just a justice person, you just love justice, you're gonna find your job is gonna align up with that concept. As a child, you're always defending against the bully on the courtyard, well, uh, on the playground. Well, you've probably got a justice dimension. You're probably gonna go into law enforcement. You're gonna go into the legal profession. There's gonna be something there. You're gonna fight for, for human trafficking. These are things that are important to you. But you start to figure out who you are by a little bit of hard work. So keep this in mind. Every person is unique in this room. You can't do what everybody else does. You remember your mama telling you this? You can be anything you want to be. Lie. <laughs> That's just not true. Look, what if I would have said coming out of high school, I can be a professional basketball player? I got like a two-inch vertical lift. They ain't no fly here. They ain't no air here. This is just flat. <laughs> That's not true. Get that one out of your mind, that's not true. But you can be everything God created you to be and even more. Because there's no limit to what God wants to do in your life, amen? So uniqueness emerges when you focus. Focus on what you love, focus on what your passion is, focus on those things, and guess what? Your uniqueness is gonna start to emerge. You're gonna go, wow, that's, that's really cool. I like that, that's, that's amazing. Focus, commitment, and determination. Those are the three words my football coach painted 
on a board that went in the locker room when you came in the locker room. He, he had taken an old piece of plywood, painted it with white paint, then took green letters. He was not very good at it. And, but he wrote those three words, focus, commitment, determination. And every time I walked, and I still remember those, I can still see the sign. I can still smell the locker room. Because I, I linked up those things together in my mind. I said, that is success. When you focus on something, when you are determined and you make a commitment, you're gonna be successful. A good friend of ours invented the brushless car wash. When you go into the gas station, it just sprays the foam on there and then the water comes and there's no brushes. A good friend of ours invented that. And I said to him, I said, Harry, how did you invent that? And he said, well, I, I, I like cars and, and uh, a guy didn't pay me. One of those car washes with the sprays, you know, you put the quarters in, you got the little thing and you spray it. And, and he said, and he couldn't pay me for three months, so he just gave me the company and it wasn't worth anything. But I, I, I hated getting my car scratched by going through the brushes, so I thought, I'm gonna invent something that doesn't take brushes. Now, he made it all simple, right? That was pretty simple. I said, but what's your key to success? You know what he said? Focus and determination. He said, nope. Very few people know when they see this successful company how many times I had to go without a paycheck. How many times I cashed in my retirement to keep the business going. Nobody sees that. All they see is a success. I guarantee you behind every successful company there is sacrifice. There's somebody who paid a price you never imagined could have, you would have been willing to pay. And then I said, so focus determination. He said, yeah, and I thought of a third one. I said, what is it? A Jewish accountant. And you begin to think about this. this is, these are just good business things to learn about and to, to remember. Okay, let me give you the next one. Prosperity with a purpose. What if you took your prosperity and you had a purpose for it? What if it went in the direction of something that was really powerful? Deuteronomy chapter eight and verse 18. You shall remember the Lord your God. Have you, do you ever just stop and go, I gotta remember God. I gotta remember what you've done. I gotta remember who you are. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Why do I have wealth of any kind? Because he gave it to me. He gave me the ability. He gave me all these things. And why did he do that? That he may establish the covenant. Do you know that when I have wealth, God wants you to go, can you give me some credit for that? Do you realize the covenant, the agreement that you and I have together is because I gave you all that you have? And the reason I love you is because I want to see you prosper. I want to see you do well. I want you to be able to live in a margin uh, in your own life of time and resources and treasures so that you have opportunity to do good for mankind. When we think about money, you ever think about how we talk about money? And, and money is usually called dough or bread. You know, there's a biblical reason for that. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. You know that money in the Jewish tradition is always tied to, uh, to bread? At Hanukkah, you know they give kids money every day of Hanukkah because they want, it, they want them to remember to tie the goodness of God and the things of God back to the resources of God. When you think about, when you think about money, we talk about it being bread it's something we eat, we, we take care of our needs, but it's also something we sow an investment. We uh, sow seed that we might have more uh, come forth from that. But here's another great principle about prosperity with a purpose. It is that God blesses you 
so that you can loan him money. Have you ever loaned God money? Anybody ever loaned God money? I loaned God money. Let me show you the verse. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. He that gives unto the poor lends unto the Lord, and he will give him his reward. God says, I'm not on earth where I can hand the poor person money, but guess what you are? When you do that, you're, you're bar I'm, I'm borrowing money from you, but I'm gonna pay you back, and God always pays a great dividend. I was walking out of Hobby Lobby, and it was around Christmas time, and the Salvation Army was there ringing the bell, and I walked by without putting anything in the pot. Ah. And I get out almost to my car, and he goes, that verse came to my mind. He who takes care of the poor lends unto the Lord, and he will repay. I turned around, went back, put a large bill in the pot. I said, God, you owe me. That's not wrong to say that, guys. That's what he said. You see, when you requote the word of God back to God, he loves it. He didn't tell you that as a joke. Hey, yeah, I fooled you. I got some money out of you at the Salvation Army guy. You're never going to see that 20 again. Seriously, the word of God is the word of God for a reason. Use it, quote it, remind God of it. You also shape the course of human history. Our landscaper, his wife doesn't speak much English, but he does, and he has two daughters, and one of them were really trying to get to go to youth camp. And, and I, I was talking to him and his wife uh, yesterday, and I said, uh, I really want her to go. I think she'll have a great time, and, if, and, and I'll pay, Tammy and I will pay her way to go to camp. And, and if she wants to bring a friend, we'll, so she feels more comfortable, she can bring a friend and we'll pay that friend's way too. And, and I could tell mom was a little hesitant. She didn't really know. And we're going through the translation. And I, then I go like this. I go, please, please let her go. You know why? Because Tam and I have made a commitment to try to change that family's future. I give him jobs that I don't need. They're legitimate jobs, but I give him jobs and I pay him because I want more time with him and I want to take care of his family because they're a kingdom investment. Because I will make, you realize, I'm changing the course. Think of this. I'm changing the destiny of that family who will grow to love God. They're gonna get saved. There's no doubt about it. And they're gonna, they're gonna walk in God and those girls are gonna walk in the Lord because I'm not gonna give up on it. What if everyone in this room would say the same thing about somebody in their life? I'm gonna do everything I can to change the course of, of history for that person and that person and that person. Wow, and it doesn't take a lot, guys. You know, we gave this message at Christmas time. What if we just had this insane amount of compassion for mankind? this insane amount of love for mankind and changing our community, what would it look like? What if we said it's not about us, it's about everybody else, and we'll get blessed because it's about everybody else. When you make it about you, you don't get nothing. When you make it about somebody else, you get everything. Amen? Stand with me. I, I want to do this declaration of financial blessings for you and with you. Um, you can just repeat after me. This will be up on the on the screen. Just repeat after me. I declare that God has provided the resources 
for my financial freedom. His favor has not departed, nor have his miracles. I choose to lay claim to my inheritance in Christ. I reject the poverty spirit, and I declare that every need, every need has been secured by the blood of Christ. Today is a new day, the day of freedom. God is opening the windows of heaven on my behalf. If you receive it, just say, I receive it. Amen. Hey, your words are important. When you say, I receive it, God goes, okay. Now I know where you stand. I'm gonna start taking care of you. I'm gonna start bringing good stuff in your life you could never imagine. And you get up every morning, you go, I'm just waiting for the good stuff, God. Don't grumble about your job. Go, God, I thank you for this job, and I pray you give me a better one. If you want a better one, pray for a better one. Don't grumble so much about it. Just thank God, and God, just bring me something better. Or move my boss to give me an increase. Do whatever you need to do, but you just begin that process of laying that out before the Almighty God. Amen? Amen. All right, now, how many of you were, came in early enough to hear what we're doing now? It's early. It's only 12.07. You know what that is? Miracle. I'm done speaking at 12.07. That's a major miracle. 